What's up, ninjas? Welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen, head ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales through your website. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Yarrow Starak. Now, Yarrow has come onto the show to talk about blogging, but not business blogging, actually using a personal blog to turn yourself into a bit of an influencer in order to build an audience in order to sell your products, your services, and even sub-businesses that you set up or businesses that you then set up further on in future. So it's a kind of different approach to how most people approach blogging as a digital marketing strategy for their business, where they'll be writing on their business's blog. Yarrow's taking a very different approach where he's actually building his own personal blog and then basically turning himself into an influencer in order to sell his business. So really interesting approach. And there's something here that we can all learn if we're interested in putting ourselves or even somebody else in the business um, forward as the the figurehead, if you like. So really cool episode. I love talking to Yara. He's a very switched on guy. Don't forget also, they tell me to remind you, um, go and check out Exposure Ninja on our YouTube channel. Now on our YouTube channel, if you're not already watching this on YouTube, if you're already watching it on YouTube, then of course, subscribe and click the notification button. But if you're not watching this video on YouTube, if you're listening to the audio on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever, then go and check out Exposure Ninja, sorry, youtube.com forward slash Exposure Ninja. We've got loads of videos on there. We make loads of cool new videos about how to do different parts of digital marketing, some behind the scenes stuff as well. I'll show you some of the campaigns that we build and give you some tips to grow your business online. Also check out Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, We've got social media posts all over the place. We're pumping out Exposure Ninja content into the world. So if you like our little mascot Shinobi, go and Shinobi yourself to oblivion on Instagram.com forward slash Exposure Ninja. Don't forget also, if you want some help growing your website's leads and sales volume, then go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and request a free marketing review from one of our team. No Shinobis in that but it's still genuinely awesome. Anyway, that's enough of me, Exposure Ninja and Shinobi. Here's the show with Yaris Starak. Yaris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. So for those listeners who don't know you already, who are you and how do you make money? Uh, that story is getting very long. Um, <laughs> I went online uh, in 1998 with my first ever website. So it's been, um, you know, a 20 year journey now as we're, we're talking, but predominantly, at least for the last 12 or 13 years, uh, I've been known as uh, a blogger and I've made certainly the majority of my income um, from a blog. And when I say that, obviously, it's not specifically like the blogs, the traffic source, the audience building source, the trust building source. It's how I reach people. It's probably why I'm even talking to you on this podcast. Um, but I've sold my own course. Uh, I've had a few courses over the years, uh, eBooks and a membership site. That's kind of been the main thing. Uh, prior to that, I had an, an online editing company, a little e-commerce store selling Magic the Gathering cards. You, you're, yep. you're more uh, nerdy listeners might know that game. Um, and right now I'm in charge of a, a company called Inbox Done that helps people with their email. That's a, a service provider. But yeah, blogging is kind of like the, the glue that keeps everything together. So when most listeners are thinking about blogging, they're thinking about, I've got a business and on that business's website, there's a tab called blog. And then I write topics that are super relevant for that business's audience. But 
you're coming at this almost like a, an influencer and then you kind of build businesses to service your influencers audience, right? So a slightly different way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, you really nailed it. Uh, especially in, in the most recent years, everything's been spun off because of the audience. Um, and, you know, so when blogging started, that was when social media started. You know, mm. when, so for me, it was 2004. There wasn't a, a Facebook, a Twitter. I think maybe there was Friendster possibly doing something around that time. I, I can't remember. Um, you know, there wasn't even YouTube with that sort of uh, comment functionality. It was like, you write a blog and then someone can leave a comment. And that was the dawn of social media, right? So uh, it was also the good old days because that was the only place you could interact. So all discussions were basically in either blog comments or online bulletin boards and forums. And that's kind of where I learned about what communication is like online. So, you know, I didn't come into this thinking I'm a journalist or I guess in some ways it's a benefit today, but maybe it's also a hindrance. We we have all this marketing knowledge and all these people teaching how to use these content platforms. But for me with the blog, it was like, you know what, I'm not even sure what it is. It, it looks like a website. People are kind of talking about their breakfast or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or where they went on holiday. And, and I just started to talk about the subject I cared about, which is entrepreneurship and, and the businesses I had back then, that editing company, that card game business were my my muse, so to speak. But you know, it was all about just telling stories that you were interested in and sharing with this very organic style of transparent writing, which I think, which is what I love about blogging the most is that sense of you can just tell your life story, be extremely egotistical. It's all about you. And yet people follow you. And ideally, you can build a business around that audience as well. So that's kind of what I did. I won't say it was all strategically planned. It was definitely some stumbling around and, you know, figuring out that could work in certain different ways. But um, yeah, it's, it's still probably my favorite way to build an audience, you know, online. It's, it's a strategy which is in some ways super old school in digital marketing terms because it happened so early. But also, it's kind of come full circle. We've got people like Gary V now talking about documenting the journey and being just yourself in a blog and not blogging necessarily or posting as the business all the time, but kind of allowing your personality to, to to kind of shape it and allow people to follow your story. I remember we had a guest on the show, I think um, Madhav Bandari from Hubstaff, and he was like their growth marketing officer person. And he did this really transparent blog where they took people behind the scenes of Hubstaff's numbers and showed like what was working and what didn't. And then he sent out an email recently saying, I'm moving on from Hubstaff. And I thought because of that transparency and because of that personality that he's shared, I'm now going to follow where he goes next in his business. Whereas most of the time, if a marketing manager of a company that you do business with moves on, you're like, yeah. oh, well, I guess that person's gone from my life forever. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you could talk a bit about why you think this blogging as a person works and why it's a good thing to do, even if you're blogging as the business. Yeah, it's a I think it's a tricky one because people come at this from the sort of traditional marketing corporate world and you would never, <laughs> ever think about talking about your relationships, what you're having for breakfast um, or behind the scenes, the good and the bad of, of a, a business. But that's kind of, you know, what what social media blogging as well is, is all about. And I think part of it and this is really good advice for anyone listening, trying to grow an audience today that actually buys from you. 
let's face it, there is no other competitive advantage that's not rep- replicatable other than your personality. So I really do believe that's one of the most powerful marketing tools we all have as individuals is our own story, our own voice, our own way of uh, living and expressing and sharing that with people. And I, I, you know, I didn't go into it thinking I'm going to be an influencer or anything like that. It was just, um, I want to tell a story and there's so many uncanny things that happen to you. I, I remember once, um, early days, I started writing about how I, I moved into this new apartment and then my fridge broke and I started attending some conferences or just like local meetups and people would say, how's your fridge? And you're like, <laughs> that's really weird. But they're paying attention to, you know, your personal story. Yeah. And then, you know, later on, when, for example, for me, I'm, I'm selling a course, people say, yeah, I just followed you forever. And I just was, you know, you were in my my life in a kind of virtual way. And then when I finally was ready to do the thing that you taught how to do, of course, I decided to buy from you. It was a no brainer. So I think that's that's the real secret there. It's kind of like being a part of people's lives, being interesting by sharing uh, teaching through sharing and sharing the bad is a way better way to teach than sharing the good most of the time. So that kind of transparency leads to building an audience that cares, that follows you around, as you said. And then when it's time to for them to make that buying decision, if if they're deciding on something that's related to what you sell, they're going to you know at least be aware of you and probably choose uh, to buy from you as well. And that's that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's really important today because the Internet is huge and very crowded. Uh, and, you know, it's all about having that that small group of very loyal followers. I, we have so many phrases for it, that 1000 true fans by Kevin Kelly, that very old article that's uh, still very relevant, I think. Um, and that, that's the same thing I've followed for most of my blogging career, just having that hardcore group of people who buy what I sell, love to learn from me, uh, love to buy from my newer companies, even like our first two customers for my email management business came from long term blog relationships. You know, they were reading the blog and buying my courses first. So, you know, it's just it's all very um, connected to that transparency and that audience. And we should also say, like, the one thing that's necessary to include here, it's not just like magic. You start sharing about your life. I owe Google a huge debt of thanks because Sure, I shared these stories and I wrote a lot of how-to content, but Google ranked that stuff and continues to rank that, those articles and, you know, the content I produce well so that you get the discovery process, you know, that the person discovering you, uh, I'll be honest, some of it during the early days was much easier to rank for than it would be today. You just had to blog, you just had to write articles and if you had a blog, you'd get some, some great rankings. But I think the principle is still the same. You, you produce valuable content. You, you go for long tail terms, you know, very niche specific phrases within your your space and you can start ranking well. And that's uh, that's the genius formula that I followed for over a decade. So, so how there's a couple of things you said that are really interesting. So we're getting traffic from organic search and we'll ask about blog promotion later on. But in order to do that, you've obviously got to be talking about your topic of expertise or answering really relevant questions. And then you've got the broken fridge. So that's not, you're not trying to rank for broken fridge Toronto, right? (laughs) So (laughs) how do you balance that need to share the behind the scenes and the personal with that need to be valuable in order for people to actually care in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll give you the ideal answer. And I, I, I'm certainly not a, a person who practices this with every single blog post I've done. And for me, it's, you know, it's been a learning process, too. I think there's probably way more fridge stories early on that didn't rank for anything <laughs> that 
And then I eventually realized maybe I should write top 10 ways to get traffic to your blog and, you know, those sorts of things. But um, the, the, the genius, I think this is, you know, a, a great writing technique uh, for today that kind of melds these two ideas. So, you know, I start talking about uh, my personal life and how my fridge is broken down and how that's impacted you know, my life. Maybe I realized, wow, I've only got enough food to, to live on for 24 hours. And I can sort of transition that to say, you know, what about your, your online business with, with my topic, let's say, or your blog? You know, if you only have an audience that pays attention to you for 24 hours because all you're doing is posting on Instagram or Facebook and that content disappears within 24 hours, it's like your fridge is broken down uh, tomorrow. You've got no one paying attention to you. So I'm a big proponent of creating these sort of long term evergreen pieces of content. So next month, next year, they can still be getting attention bringing an audience which is not going to come from instagram or facebook that post is gone 24 hours later so it's like me making sure my cupboards are stocked with you know cans of tuna and other food when my fridge breaks down so it kind of I, you know i could bring bring in my personal life and then relay a lesson now i probably wouldn't put the you know the the title tag my fridge breaks down you know what i learned from that because that might hurt the rankings but you know it could be something like are you getting you know what are you creating content for long-term traffic you know i'd obviously have to massage that but it would be tied into that so it's personal story mixed with how to lesson and i certainly have done that a lot over the years uh, as i said though if you go into my blog you will find that, like we're cleaning things up now because it's obviously 2005 there's a lot of stuff that a very young yarrow was writing about during the early days that makes no sense whatsoever for the current you know situation but yeah, it's certainly a technique I'd recommend for people listening. That would be the way I'd write now. Cool. So all those posts praising Donald Trump's incredible business acumen slowly being worked out. Um, yes. <laughs> so I can hear the objections from listeners, or whether they're an objection now or whether it's just purely the reason that they're not going to start doing this. They're going to be saying, but my life isn't interesting enough. Like I don't even have my fridge doesn't even break. I'm not particularly struggling. I'm seem to Don't be break your fridge. <laughs> go and break your fridge. I seem to be fairly comfortable. I, I, my life just isn't something that people are going to find interesting. So how do they how do they need to overcome that? Yeah, that's probably the most common uh, response I get when I talk about being personal. It's like, no, thank you. I have no desire to share anything whatsoever online. And and they're not social people either. They don't do Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Or, you know, so starting a blog and going that deep into their personal life not going to happen. So you know, I think it's it's a it's about a person within your company deciding to be that person. And you know, maybe it should be the marketing person who who is willing to share. And you know, some of this is like. You can find some companies where you have no clue who's the leader. And then you've got some companies where you're very clear it's him running Exposure Ninja because he's always the face of the podcast. And, you know, you're probably way more on social and sharing more things in your life, too. So I think part of this is a decision by a leader. And in my case, and certainly most of the people I've coached over the years, they've been an individual knowledge expert who's essentially selling their expertise. Uh, for them, it's a natural thing to do. I mean, I won't say it's a natural thing in terms of their comfort zone. I've had to certainly uh, push some people to to start talking more about themselves. Um, but, you know, it fits what they're doing. I know how to do this thing. Let me talk about myself and then teach you how to do it. 
Now, if you're talking about selling some kind of widget, it might actually be better to be selling, uh, telling the personal stories of customers, not the leaders in your company. You know, uh, let's talk about how the customer's fridge broke down and how you now sell this amazing, you know, tin tuna that lasts for a hundred years. You know, and then you could just keep doing these kind of stories, and it relates to your physical product if you happen to sell tuna fish. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's always a story to relate. It doesn't have to be yours. I think that'll be the piece of advice I you know, give. What's important is asking yourself, I used to do this all the time when I thought about a blog post, like, how can I begin this, the article with some kind of hook that's related to a more personal story? Because that's what people want to read at the start. That's what gets the attention. And if you, if you go straight into facts, it's kind of people don't get into the article. But then I needed to make sure that I, at some point, led them to something they can take away and learn from and do. Um, sometimes it was blatantly specific. Here's the seven things I learned from this experience. Sometimes it was more uh, strategic. So it might be one overarching concept, but there was always a lesson. I was a how to. Uh, and then of course, it connected to something I sold as well. That, that's the way I saw the, the most ideal article. It was Here's a story about my current customer or my past customer. Here's a lesson that we can learn or several from that experience. And here's a product I sell or here's a free opt-in I have that can help you do this or take you to the next step in this process. And that is literally how I recommend people spend their entire day when it comes to content creation. Just do that all day and you will do well. As long as you work on your titles and get those keywords right, you can do really well with that content format. That's fantastic. I think the other thing to bear in mind as well is that what seems mundane to people, actually, if you have a following, it doesn't, it's not as mundane to them. I look at some of the stuff, yeah. my wife is into celebrities for, for some reason. It's fascinating to me though, I'm glad. Um, and, and I look at the stuff that she watches and that she reads about and on the surface, I think, why do I care what clothes that person took to their holiday in the Maldives? But to her, it's, it's extremely interesting. and. It kind of it sounds mad if you look from the outside, but actually there are people that listeners will be fascinated to follow for a day and see what their daily routine looks like, right? It might whether it's like a business leader or someone who's interesting in their personal life, the stuff that feels boring to you actually would be really interesting to someone who respects you or looks up to you. Yeah, and I think that that advice is good, but you do have to realize some people will never ever want to share anything online. Like <laughs> yeah. um yeah, it's just not going to happen. And they're never going to, you know, they just do not feel comfortable doing that. So I think um, you, you raise a great point. I'm looking uh, at traveling to Iceland, right, coming up uh, next month. And of course, I'm watching videos of people who travel to Iceland to figure out the best things to do. And I don't know these people, but I've discovered them on YouTube. And some of them now I'm starting to follow because they're, they're travel vloggers. And I find that relevant to what I'm trying to learn about right now. Uh, of course, they've been doing it possibly for years. And they've got travels from around the world, and, and I'm just discovering them today. Uh, but if they weren't interested in sharing that process, you know, I would never have found them. The same token, there's plenty of companies out there full of people who've never shared anything, um, and they rely on the customers doing the sharing, the word of mouth. Um, and, and that's fine, too. I think it's just important you understand it's the personal storytelling from a human being that gets that differentiation, that creates the hook, that gets people caring about what you sell and what you do. Uh, and you've got to find it somewhere, especially online. I think maybe local marketing face to face, you know, it's still about personal relationships. You don't need the internet. But if you're doing anything online and you want to reach a global audience, it's such a powerful tool to share stories. Like I, I, um, I sometimes feel like it's a real blessing to have been born in a time where I could sit on a laptop in a cafe 
and just talk about you know what I'm thinking in that point in time. Uh, and that's called marketing, and that gets me customers. You know, it's like this is ridiculous, but it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. You said um, people share the, the the bad stuff as well as the good. Why shouldn't our blogs just be like a carefully curated greatest hits compilation? Yeah, I mean, we we all know the answer to that. We we never like watching someone who's always succeeding. We kind of hate them in some level, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think we actually love to see. Uh, we love to see not the fact that people fail because that's painful for everyone, even those watching. But we also have that uh, really innate curiosity about what they do next and how they recover or, or what they did to change. Because probably the reason why we're even paying attention to them is we see something in them in us. And, you know, it could be we also want to lose weight or we also want to break free financially or we also want to get traffic to our blog if we want to go, you know, really niche and granular. Or I really want to plan my trip to Iceland. You know, these are the things that connect us with that person. And learning the bad is really important because it's not just to avoid their mistakes, probably the most important thing, but to see the process they went through. Because I think this is especially true for my experience. And I think a lot of bloggers will, will, who are teachers will say this. It's the process of getting or, and, you know, realizing you have a problem, then discovering what's the root of that problem, and then doing experiments to try and solve that problem and then emerging with a solution that feels like it's a journey, it's not a snap solution. And that for the individual is an experience and that for the audience could be an experience too. That's why uh, blogs like mine were, you know, my blog was originally called Entrepreneur's Journey. It was a journey blog talking about my first companies and my teaching business. And even now I'm talking about, you know, my services company on there. So it's all kind of connected with that ongoing journey I'm going through. I think we've seen a lot of blogs, you know, whether it's recovering from acne, it's uh, trying to become an Olympic athlete, you know, the biggest loser on TV is almost like a, a reality TV show that is a form of this kind of journey style blogging in a very compact form, how to lose a lot of weight quickly. And I think that's what matters. It's the process. And uh, sure, there's, I mean, I remember sitting down with a very young guy at a conference, I think it was like 14 or 12, and I was, I was one of the speakers there. And from his point of view, it's, you know, I'm a kid with no money. How do I suddenly get a lot of money? And he sat down with me and I gave him a bit of time and he's like, so what do, what's the one thing I do to make a lot of money? And I'm like, well, there isn't one thing to do. There's a whole bunch of things to do. And he would not take that as an answer. He's convinced that there is a single thing that is the answer. If you could just get it out of me, then he'd have the secret to making money. And I'm like, I kept telling him, you gotta do this, then this, then this, then this, then this. And, this. and you've got to kind of learn from every process. But in his mind, it's got to get to that end goal today. And that that just doesn't happen. So, you know, he'll go through, I'm sure since then, it was years ago, he's probably gone through his own journey. Um, and we all have to do that. There's no getting away from the process uh, unless you're born rich. And then you have a different process to go through to figure out, you know, your meaning and your purpose. So there's also a part about vulnerability, isn't there? Because even if you don't, uh, even if they don't see the eventual transformation, um, we got to princesses in the uk right who have just had babies so you've got um the older one middleton kate middleton who had a yes. baby came out looking incredible um word on the street is actually she's one of our clients to get that transformation but and that's unconfirmed looking incredible and the nation's women who are into that thing seem to look at her and go bitch 
And then you've got <laughs> Meghan Markle, who came out having had the baby, and she looked like she just had a baby. And the nation's females seem to let out this collective sigh of relief and this expression of love at Meghan because she was human. And we see it on social, don't we, when the when the social influencer posts the picture of themselves late at night with no makeup and just says, you know, this is also me. And people love them more because they've shown that vulnerability and they've made themselves more real. So even if you don't have a transformation, it feels like that kind of, hey, do you know what? I really fucked this up is actually quite endearing. Yeah, I agree. And I think you certainly should not be afraid to to go to that negative experience and talk about it and, and share. I mean, uh, my mother passed away about six, seven years ago, and she was in hospital for two years uh, after suffering a stroke. And, you know, I blogged uh, quite a bit, not not a lot, but definitely many times during that process and, and afterwards as well. And, and, you know, obviously that's a, a very, you know, one of the hardest things you go through in life, losing a parent. And that was something that a lot of people then, you know, just like it's the continuation of my story that they followed along with. And there was nothing actually there was there was some business lessons I was able to extract from that experience, too. But, you know, it wasn't specifically I'm not trying to sell a product or anything in that kind of storytelling. And um, but, yeah, I knew that would continue to keep that connection with my audience. But I kind of want to go back to your princess's example. I think it's interesting to think. You know, imagine um, Kate Middleton is selling a product on how to recover really well after having a baby. And she steps out in the press. I just had a baby and I look amazing. And then you'd be like, huh, bitch, but what did she use? I want to buy yeah, what she's got. That's right? true. That's and then true. Megan Markle comes out, you know, I don't sell a product. I'm just want to connect with the, the general people. And maybe she sells something else, you know, that, and it's just I'm just happy to follow her story. So I think, yeah. obviously, you know, at some point it'd be also beneficial for Middleton to have flaws in other areas. But I guess what I'm saying is there are stories to be told on both sides of the fence that can work for content marketing, for blogging. You know, it's all about showing proof and the journey uh, of what you're trying to represent to the world online and not always being 100% on focus for product either. There's times to talk about yourself and there's times to campaign to sell a product. Um, stories should be involved in both. But I know for you know my life, most of the time I'm not in the middle of a marketing campaign. So that's when I can be writing about. Uh, I had a great experience uh, about 10 years ago in 2008. I traveled around the world and I stopped in Athens. Uh, I was in a beach town called Bulugmeni and I had a business partner back in Brisbane, Australia, where I was born and we were running a campaign for a product. Now, what was cool for the seven or eight months before I reached Athens, I'm writing about this whole, you know, I'm, I'm in Singapore, I'm in uh, New York, uh, I'm in Paris and, and London, and that's all going on the blog. And it's like, wow, Yarrow's really living the dream. And then I hit Athens, and now I'm selling a video course on how to make money blogging with Gideon. All the people that have come with me on this story are seeing constant proof. This guy must be making money if he can travel all the time. Here's my product now that I'm selling that's going to teach you the same, you know, what I've been doing behind the scenes. So it's all kind of I, I wouldn't say like it was my grand plan, my evil business plan to travel around the world so I could sell this course and, and have proof. But it sure helps. You know, it sure helps to live the, uh, an example of what you're trying to teach as well. So um, I think that's what's great. If I didn't share the, the travel stories along the way, it would have been less proof, probably less sales, I would have uh, said as well. Smaller audience uh, afterwards, too. So I guess it's important that the the kind of overarching 
the image that you're sharing with people is is positive and aspirational in some way, right? If you were just talking about this annoying, the bad stuff the whole time, I'm guessing your audience would be like, well, I don't want to just hear about this guy whose fridge is always breaking and he doesn't get it fixed. <laughs> By the way, my fridge is fine now. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a it's a balance. And this is the thing I've told a lot of people who ask me this question. You know, I'm trying to do something in my life and I'm not an expert yet. So I can't go online and say, hey, I've solved this problem. I know how to give birth and look perfect the next day. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm going to have 10 babies and, you know, solve this problem. Right. Um, so you have to be you know, it's OK to do that journey style content format, even when you still suck at something. Mm. But you better be doing something to get better. There's a lot of people who yeah. want to try and teach how to make money as their plan to make money, but they've yeah. never made money. Right. And that doesn't work. And if you're not doing things that are actually starting to make some money, then or at least experimenting towards that you're not going to have a compelling story. You're going to be that guy who's complaining about the broken fridge. I can never, you know, make money. So I think it's always best to do what's already working. That's ideal if you're already successful. But if you're still, you know, a journey process, I mean, even if it's a physical product, so just talk about how you're going about getting that product made. You know, what's the journey? And maybe, you know, you, you have six or seven beta versions of that product to get to the final one. But the people who came along with you are so, you know, interested and so involved with whatever it is you're selling they're going to be likely to, you know, buy that final ready to go version. It's just finding the time usually becomes the challenge. How do I blog about this, create my product, you know, to get a checkout system set up, marketing outreach, it becomes a lot for a, certainly a one person to do. Absolutely. I've got some uh, quick fire technique questions about blogging for you. So how often are you looking to post? What's more important frequency or like sticking to a schedule? You know, I wish I could say this and tell you oh, I've been doing this the entire time, but you know. Um, oh, it's I've an changed. endearing floor if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I've got to be careful because there's what worked today and what worked yesterday and what worked for phase one and what works down the line. So I very much teach a system that's about leveraging email for automation. It's about getting people from the blog to your email list to sell what you sell. And the beautiful thing about that is you don't have to write you know, five days a week covering the latest news. Uh, I think I have this two different systems. I don't, I don't really teach one, but I call it uh, news blogging. It's what we learned from the Mashables, the TechCrunches, the Business Insiders, all those sort of sites that they're covering everything. You know, they're the new magazine. That's not possible for one person show. So I actually would recommend today to go deep. And if, even if it means you write once a month to start with, at least something really solid, you know, a really powerful how-to article that will stand the test of time. I think that's the most important piece of advice. I don't mind as, as a coach to say, if you can write once a week, that's great. If you can write twice a week, that's even better. Hell, if you can do five times a week, amazing pieces of content, that's probably ideal. Most people can't do that, especially as one individual. So, you know, aim for once, once to twice a week at the start, because you do need to kind of get momentum going. But I'll be flat out honest. I, I, I podcast now maybe twice a month. I've maybe write once every two months, you know, it's far less than when I started when I was doing sometimes five days a week, then it went three days a week, then it was one day a week. Um, but I'm leveraging the path content. 
I wrote. So as we all know as entrepreneurs, it's unfortunately hardest at the start. We have no momentum. We have no asset created. Uh, it's like that snowball at the beginning of the mountain. You've got to start pushing it to get that compounding and building, building it up. And it, it's the same rule for blog content as well. You've got to start building it up. Now, if you work best with a schedule, then certainly I'm, I'm all about accountability. And if you, you know, you love that on the wall, you've got the calendar and I've got to publish this, this and this, and that'll make you do it. I'm all for that. Um, I personally do that when I had launch campaigns, but most of the time I've been more of a, I really want to write about this topic, but I'm going to see where it goes, but not give myself, this has got to be out on Tuesday or I'm screwed kind of story situation. But And post length, I'm guessing it depends on the topic, but do you have like a minimum length that you'd publish and a maximum? You know, I feel like there was the advice back in the day that 500 words was the sweet spot, but that was more for like newsy kind of content. Yeah. And now people will start saying it's a thousand words because you need the space to go deep. Um, I generally publish between 1,000 and 3,000. If I if it's looking to go over that, then I start breaking it into, you know, part one, part two, part three. Um, I think what <laughs> this is a bit of a cheating answer. You need to write as many words as required to really give a good answer to a question and tell a good story. You know, that's what matters. So if you, I, I think this is great advice. If you feel like you've left content on the table, that would actually help people because you're trying to squeeze it into a thousand words to sort of fit some kind of rule. I would tell you to go to two or 3,000 and produce a better piece of content. And, you know, even adding images and video to get that multimedia aspect uh, as well. If you, you know, really think this is a, a piece of cornerstone content, as it sometimes is called, you know, it's a, the most important subject for your niche. It's going to be that one article that you constantly reference to. Like, I don't know if you have one in, in your, your archives, uh, Tim, you know, like a, a, a post that you guys wrote that's a how-to for a fundamental aspect of, traffic building online and you you always say go there first you know that's the, the piece of content you really really focus on um, but then you know, there's a time to do that but there's also a time just to you know jump in quickly tell a like I, I wrote a blog post that was really popular um, I did a renovation of an apartment in Ukraine that I purchased a couple of years ago and it was an absolute like a zombie massacre type apartment when I first bought it you know it was really scary looking um you know the the basement hadn't been touched by human beings in years it was like a trash can and i had all these before and after photos i explained you know why buy an apartment in ukraine that's really weird but they're really cheap they're like fifty thousand dollars so there's so many curious curious elements of the story mm -hmm. and i'm sitting there writing it and i'm just it's turning into three thousand words and i'm like this isn't really selling anything you know but boy did people like it and yeah. again it, it keeps them in my story and i needed three thousand words to tell the the psychology of why am I choosing to buy in Ukraine? Why did I choose this dump? What did yeah. I do afterwards? How did I get it done when I don't live in Ukraine? All these aspects of the story that had to come out to really complete the picture of this story. And that's that was necessary. I couldn't do that in a thousand words. That's a great answer. Uh, once you've written the posts, what are you doing to promote them and drive traffic and make sure people are actually reading them? Yeah. And this is, you know, there's two answers to this. There's the, I have no audience yet. I yeah. need to go build my audience answer. Uh, that's when you, you know, you're doing what you, you always do. You're looking to, uh, do outreach. Uh, I have a technique. I call it, um, basically getting on other people's channels. Uh, I have a better word for that, but I can't remember right now. Um, outbound marketing, essentially, you know, you're showing up in people's podcasts, you're doing guest posts, 
And all of that is bringing, you know, that basic level of incoming links you need to start ranking well. Because if you don't have that, it doesn't matter how good your title is, obviously, or, you know, you have to go ridiculously long tail to try and get a first page uh, result on, on the search engines. Uh, and that's, I really feel that uh, more of a slow and steady wins the race answer for that part. You know, you, you don't um, suddenly get all this exposure at once. It's you, uh, you use, you know, exposure ninja, you slowly build up using various different techniques <laughs> over time, right? And then you start to notice that as you publish a piece of content, it seems like it's less work each time to get an audience. Now, I'll give you my answer as well, which I think is, uh, you know, you, you definitely want to do this. Your blog is what can capture that organic audience, but you need the mechanism to keep that audience in your world. And for me, that's always been email by far has been the single best source of audience retention and audience conversion. The blog has been the best for audience discovery, but retention and conversion is primarily done through email. And that also includes, when I say retention, sending my subscribers to my new blog posts. So right now, if you ask me what I do to market my content, I just go to my existing audience, my blog subscribers, well, my, my email subscribers will get it, my blog audience will get it, my social following will get it. And that will you know, mean my existing audience, which has grown over years, are continuing to experience my content. Now that doesn't work if you're brand new because you have no existing audience. It's hardest at the start again. So that's when you have to do the things that grow your audience. Now, my advice, because I think it's, I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 rule and you know the one thing, if you've read these books, um, one thing by Gary Keller, 80-20 rule, Richard Koch, um, or living the 80-20 way was my first exposure to it. And it, basic idea for me to take away from that is there's usually one thing that you can focus on that will get you a better result than trying to get the same result from doing three things or five things or 10 things. So, you know, I learned uh, there was one thing that would work best for me at, at different phases of my blogging. And that was maybe it was reaching out to other bloggers at the start and building those relationships. And then afterwards, it was getting people onto my podcast because that would often lead to them linked to that episode uh, on my my blog. Uh, and then later on, it was more about doing joint venture campaigns to launch products because all these affiliates would promote my blog content and grow my email list. But during those periods, that was the one thing that yeah. did the best for me. So I think, you know, for a person listening to this, you could ask yourself, what's a one thing you can do that taps into some kind of existing advantage you have, a lowest hanging fruit opportunity? You know, are you just good at something? Maybe you are really good at um, hashtags on Instagram and you should just try and use only Instagram hashtagging to get people to those blog posts, get them to sign up to your email list or, or buy your stuff. Uh, or maybe you're really good at getting PR and you should just go hard on trying to get as much exposure because you have a great story and that will get a lot of, you know, articles written about you on Business Insider, on Time Magazine, you know, on Forbes, whatever it is that your space is in. Um, and, you know, you got to figure out what that is. But I would, again, go deep rather than wide. That's always the answer I find as, as a, a starting point. You can go wide when you're huge and you've got an army going wide for you. But when you're small, you've got to go and that's for marketing, that's for content creation, that's for product specificity, that's for how you live your life as well. You know, you can't do lots of different things. You probably got to get up and do the same things over and over again uh, in order to make things work. So that to me is the answer. Cool. Perfect. Couldn't agree more. And then final question about the technical side of things. Actually, there's one more maybe. Um, how do you know what to write about? How do you come up with new ideas? You've been writing for what, 15 years now. There can't be that many... Uh, 
can't there be that many things left in your list Don't that you have broken fridge. <laughs> Other appliances, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've never had a problem with this whole writer's block or lack of ideas. Yeah. Um, I've always find that funny because I think if you're living a life, you're constantly having conversations and observing things out there that could trigger a story. For me, it was always the other way around. I just didn't have the time or the energy to actually get every idea down, uh, especially as things grew because suddenly you're creating product and suddenly you're doing things with partners and suddenly, you know, you, you've just got a bigger business. You got to do hiring and training and all of that. So you, you get less and less time to write. So I think the for the person who might be feeling any sense of writer's block, you just have to start thinking more like a writer, content creator and, uh, you know, listen to this podcast. What it, what's an idea you took away from mm -hmm. it? How does it apply to your business? There's an article idea. Um, you know, uh, every single podcast that's ever been released on Exposure Ninja We'll have a topic for a blog post if you, you know, I go through your back catalog. Then there's my podcast and there's, you know, all these blog posts that I think would probably get boring eventually. But, you know, if you need ideas, there's ideas there. Mm -hmm. I get ideas of catching the bus in the metro, you know. So um, and that may be more of a muscle you just need to build up, you know, yeah. really starting to look at the world as a source of ideas for content, um, especially that concept of connecting real life to your your product or your service, whatever it is you sell. So I'm actually going through an, uh, an interesting experience with this because I'm selling email, like we have a human being that takes over other people's email accounts. So we do email for other people providing a human being. And this is a very specific thing we do. And I'm, you know, sitting here going, how can I write new blog posts? I was related to this one service that we do because it gets, if anything, it just gets a bit dry for me to constantly yeah. write about that that same idea over and over again. Um, and so I can see how, you know, eventually you kind of start, you know, potentially not. I'd say it's not a problem of coming up with ideas. It's just you as a content creator might be going, I'm really getting over talking about, you know, how this connects to helping people with email how to, you know, over and over again. But like for my blogging career, it was so much more of a big idea. It's that idea of, you know, breaking free from having a job. It's about mindset. It's about productivity. Then there's all these things around product creation. You know, there's marketing. There's so many different aspects to making that work. And I can take, you know, email. If I just open it up a little bit more and make it more of a lifestyle concept, you know, what's email stopping you from doing each day? Yeah. Um, uh, I can go more narrow. What specific pieces of software do you can you use with email so it's you know it's quite easy to unpack a, a very narrow subject and look at the things that impacts look at the the tools you need to you know play with in order to do that thing and constantly be coming up with with product uh, sorry content ideas and of course if all else fails you just hire someone to do your content for you and you know you get your content manager which i'm sure you guys have on your team, I think I spoke to one via email before speaking to you. So you know. really did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a that's a great point. And I've started doing a personal vlog recently, which I really, really enjoy. And at the start, I was like, oh, I'll come up with like five ideas of things I want to post about. And then I'd done those five. I was like, oh, darn it. I don't know what I'm going to do after that. But the great thing is that your life has moved on. So hey, this other thing has happened. And it, like you say, it's a muscle. It's just being tuned to any opportunity, isn't it? Like, oh, that just happened. I could quickly make a blog about that. Or let me just write it down in my blog list. And then you'll come back to it later. So there is enough happening in day to day life that will be able to fuel your blog. You've just got to be kind of open minded to it, I guess. Yeah, I think 
one of the things I recommend people do too, especially if you're just starting with this, because sometimes when you hear us talk like this and then you apply it, you're like, okay, now I've got too many ideas. Thanks, guys. Now, what do I actually do first? You know, like this, I can write about anything. There's so many amazing topics. I, I like to bring it back to, um, there's usually, especially with people who are trying to help people solve a problem with their knowledge. Uh, this really applies there, but it could apply for physical products, um, so services, software as well. There's usually a, like a 10 step process to go through to get from where you are to where you want to be thinking about your target customer, of course. So I, I would suggest to people when you're planning that first, maybe 10 blog posts to look at those as a kind of a mini sequence. Think about how would you take your audience through 10 steps to solve their problem? And I really mean solve it. I mean, give away the kitchen sink here, you know, tell them all your secrets. Uh, it's 10 blog posts. So you, you only have a certain amount of space. Um, even if that feels like you're giving away too much and you want to sell a course afterward, trust me, it's always better to give away too much and not enough. So those people will be really interested in your course. Same, you know, if you're selling a piece of software, you give away 10 pieces of advice. And of course, there's going to be many times where you're saying, well, our software will help you do this part in the process. It's going to really reinforce the use of your tool. Um, you know, same with my company with email. It's like, uh, I can look at the 10 steps to start outsourcing your email. But during that, I can say, you know what? You don't have to do any of this. We have a person who can do it for you. You know, so you teach and then you offer a solution. And that's a great way to start. And then, you know, you've got that place you can send people to. I think this is really important because when you're beginning, you don't have, say, uh, a, a handout or a free download. And it's nice to just say, hey, I've got this great 10 part series of blog posts that will take you from A to Z. I think it's one of the easiest things to create at the beginning. Um, it feels good to get that content out there. And it's just like you have a destination on the Internet that, that you can be proud of and feel confident saying, go to my website, check this stuff out. You'll benefit from it. So that's where I would start, um, you know, with your content creation. Awesome advice, Yari. Thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to share your advice today. Where can people find you and follow you and check out this sick email management service, which I have to say is one of the best ideas ever. I've got someone who manages my emails at Explosion Ninja, and they're probably my favorite person in the entire world. So I can certainly vouch for the process. That's good. I was about to ask you, Tim, who does your email? So that'll save me asking that question. Um, yeah, I uh, the the obvious place is my blog. So um, we changed it. It used to be called Entrepreneur's Journey, for those who might know me uh, for a long time. But uh, last year it became just Yarrow, Y-A-R-O dot blog. Uh, or you can just Google Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, that will find it. Um, and if you do need someone to take over your email, inboxdone.com, inbox and done. Dot com and uh, check out what we offer there. Dude, if I Google Yarrow, I find you. Is that right? I give it a go. I, I don't know what it's like in the UK That's at the moment. Sick. Let me know. You've got that first name uh, search visibility like Seth yeah. Godin. I love it. Love it. Good <laughs> yeah, there's, stuff. There's an Indian uh, movie star with this show called Yarrow that started to rank uh, the videos <laughs> above me and things like that. I don't know what it, you're getting in the Damn. UK, but... Yeah, it's a battle, let's say, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> what if you need any help with SEO? Cool. <laughs> Yari, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate it, Tim. That was fun.